This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey, thanks for letting me be on the show, everyone. Uh, just to give you a quick background, my name is uh, Dr. Travis Fox. Most people just call me T because it's easy. Uh, I was born and raised uh, for the first 10 years of my life outside the United States, even though I was born here. My mother was a model and actress, and my father was a fighter pilot. Oh, that's told, a good combo. Yeah, I always tell people, if you, if you ever watched the original movie Top Gun with uh, with Tom Cruise, it didn't end like that. It was like, why <laughs> by? It just didn't work, you know. Yeah. Which, but for me, it was a beautiful benefit because I became bihemispheric, which is not a sexual thing. It's about how your brain works, right? So calm down, everybody, before we go there. I learned, you know, complete left brain, you know, cognitive uh, from my father, who is multiple masters and was a fighter pilot, and I could learn complete creative. And, you know, out there in the creative realm with my mom from the modeling acting. And I started my career at nine years old and I got my first uh, modeling job for JCPenney's as a runway model. And oh my I started, gosh. True story. And it started out of a bi-hemispheric argument. My father was like, well, you don't understand the value of money. I'm like, I'm nine, dad. What do you, what, <laughs> what heck, That's bro? your job. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're supposed to teach me that brother. And for those of you who are old enough to remember, I'm dating myself, I realized, but it's when the very first Atari came out way back in the early 80s. And it was like $200 back then. You got asteroids. And I wanted one. And my dad said, well, no, you got to earn it. And I went, okay, how? And he goes, mow lawns. I go, that sucks. Yeah. So my mom said, well, why don't you try modeling? I said, well, as long as I don't get my, you know, my teeth kicked in for being you know, with the guys on the team judging, I'll do it. As fate would have it, she taught me how to, you know, runway model, to pivot, to smile. And, you know, I hold credit to this day. My smile and being able to talk is because of her. She taught it to me when I was young. I ended up winning the, the audition and I got paid my 200 bucks. And my dad said, well, you need to save it. I'm like, ah, no, that my was money, the point. <laughs> you're driving me. To, to Kmart, I'm buying an Atari and I bought it. And that's how my entrepreneurial career really started. And then from there, obviously, the, the other side of me was my, my father. My father uh, really, you know, was a, he's an avid athlete, but he was good at things, but he wasn't great at one of them. He put a golf club in my hand when I was five years old and I took to it naturally. And that really kind of became the, the network of our relationship. It was based on golf. And by the time I was in high school, everybody knew Travis Fox was going to be on the PGA Tour. That's where it was headed. It's in my high school yearbook. Everybody knows I was captain of the golf team, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then this funny little thing happens. And I bring this up for all of you because all of you have experienced this in some form or another in your life. There oh, is, no. Yeah, this true story. This is... Your life is planned out. You know exactly what you're going to be. It's a lineage. It's a legacy thing. It's all of this. And your subconscious decides to show up and show you the truth. That's exactly what happened to Travis Fox. I became a first-time father at 18 years old and had an absolute emotional meltdown. Not because I became a father, because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Yeah. I had no idea how to manage You know, now being a father, trying to go to university, still playing golf, absolute turned into, I went from literally as, and it's funny, people always ask me, Travis, how come you're such a good head coach? I'm like, because I was a head case first. <laughs> I, I, under, I understand it. I, I, under, I, I, I've been to the, I've been to the dark night of the soul and I hung out there for a while. Got, yeah. you know, I had residents. They gave me a long-term lease. I was hanging out there for a while. And I, I went in as a real estate major and I came out a psychologist. And then the reason I came out is because I, I met my mentor and, and my master who I sat under for 15 years, who is an amazing soul. And he just looked and said, Travis, um, have you ever looked at subconscious modalities? Huh? 
I said, what? I'm like, I don't forget. I, I don't remember that class in any one of my classes. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he, he introduced me to subconscious modalities, emotional traumatic levels. And he really started taking me down the road. And I became instantly fascinated with, wait a minute, you can actually transform what you believe. You can transform how you feel. And it isn't this mindset thing. Cause I, you know, my, my real introduction to mindset started when I was 13 with two major influences. One was PT Barnum from Barnum and Bailey Circus. Because I kept looking at how do you build a legacy? How do you build an empire? How did this guy do this when we didn't have internet and cell phones and all things we have now to do it at scale? And yet he did it and lasted 110 years. Simultaneously, uh, I got introduced uh, to Dr. Dennis Whaley and the psychology of winning, which really started my career at 13. I didn't know it. And then of course, 40 years later, you know, being able to co-produce and co-star with him in a film was kind of that hero's journey for me, which happened a couple of years back in 2020. And that's how it started. So it was all mindset, 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 mindset. Here's the problem with mindset. It doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because mind can't solve itself. And so <laughs> I turned into this absolute basket case going, I've been training my mindset of golf, 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 golf. I can handle it. I can handle the pressure. I'm ready to go, da, da, da. To now I had to translate that off, off the golf course and had no clue how to transform my, my limiting belief structures. I didn't know what I didn't know, my insecurities, my vulnerabilities. And Doc really took me down that road. And it became the path of my life now, 31 years later. And that's what I've done for 31 years. And I've gone around the world three times. I'm uh, a five-time Emmy-nominated and winning producer. I've won over 40 awards for producing and directing and telling stories. You know. Okay. All right. I think that is the longest introduction. <laughs> we well, I'm 51. I got, it takes a little bit of time to introduce that. I mean, I'm not young anymore. I'm like, you know. Right. There is some major history there. Yeah, and um so many different avenues that we could be going down. Sure. But I think where we're going to focus today and what our big question is going to be is why should law firms build empires and not kingdoms? And so what we're going to talk about, you mentioned it at some point during your intro. Mm -hmm. uh, and going back to my favorite part of the intro was imagining uh, J.C. Penny runway to begin with. <laughs> I can't, you know, I'm picturing J.C. Penny, and I'm not True. picturing that lining up with a runway. But either way, um, well, runway I model, not runway as a plane, but obviously, right, right, well, exactly. Either way, runway model and J.C. Penny somehow don't uh, necessarily go together in my brain. We're going back 40 years, Pat. <laughs> yeah, we got to right. go back a ways, family. We got to go back a ways. Right? We didn't have cell phones back then, so it was a little different world. Well, and it's an interesting case study because when you look at where the J.C. Penney empire was and kind of how that has, you know, just kind of happened over history, um, it's kind of a sad story. But so, so our big question is, why should law firms build empires and not kingdoms? So first of all, Travis, tell me what is the difference between an empire and a kingdom? Yeah, and the simplest of languages and the most convenient for, for everyone listening to the show uh, uh, imagine your kingdom is, is your firm. You, know, yeah. you may have one or two or three offices. That's your kingdom. And you rule your kingdom, you know, king and queen, however, you, however that's ruled, you rule it. But it's a single part entity. I mean, it's, it's, it's always up against other kingdoms, other law firms globally in now, in nowadays world, where an empire is a much larger coagulation where it's all kings and queens of several kingdoms come together to form something bigger. Now, you can analogize this to the Roman Empire, to the Egyptian Empire, to the Ottoman, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, empires come and go, but empires tend to last because of resources, their availability to move information, data, uh, cash, whatever, right? And three, there's redundancy. 
The challenge when we're running our own kingdom is generally it starts with you. You're the, yeah. you're the founding partner. You're the managing partner. If you take off, you've got to trust. And most often you can. I get it. But you're still always a nervous ninny about what's happening back home, which means even when you're on vacation and you're resting, you're not. Right. And then you never really recharge. And over time, it's a depleting asset. And then what do you want to do? You want to sell your kingdom to somebody else and you're out. So that's really the difference between a kingdom and an empire, at least is how we put it together and help companies build. Okay, so then your overall approach is to take them from a kingdom to an empire. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so what's the first step there? Well, the first step is to identify what's your throne, right? For example, and I'll, I'll use this. My, my son is a, a graduate of Georgetown Law and of uh, and a Lombard attorney over in D.C. So nice. I, I'm not an attorney, kids. I play one on TV, okay? Yeah. I want to be really <laughs> crystal clear about that, right? But you, have so, you, have, you know and love a lot of them in your close close-knit circles. Well, I do. And, you know, two of my partners are lawyers. You know, you know, they're wonderful litigators and wealth management structure guys who I've learned tons from. But here's the thing I've heard from every single lawyer I've ever met. I don't want to be a lawyer. They yeah. all say the same thing. I yeah. go into school and law school wanting to be a lawyer and they come out on the other side and about five years into it, they go, mm, this, it's not well, what this, I thought. It's not the brochure that I got when I signed up for the gig. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that. So the kingdom then first thing becomes about what we call defining your throne. What does that actually mean? What does your kingdom stand for? What are the principalities, uh, principles, excuse me, that run your kingdom? Most people are very good at their job. Lawyers, all of you listening, you're phenomenal at your job in some form or another. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're anything more than an entrepreneur or a glorified job holder. You just have more responsibility if you're the actual owner of the firm or the managing partner. But yeah. that doesn't make it an independent brand, right? And that's what we really want to move you to because there's a there's a hierarchy in business, right? There's the independent contractor, a DBA, if will, for lack of definition. Then you're going to move to a business. And the business is going to make you good revenue and give you a fairly good lifestyle. But you got to stay on it. It doesn't go without you in some form or another. Where a brand slash empire can. It also has a bigger exit strategy because of its valuation, its growth, its reach, its IP, etc. So that's the challenge. So what do we really stand on? Because again, if we we all came in with the idea that we, you know, we want to be lawyers, we want to go defend the law, we love that, we want to, you know, make our good cause, whatever division of the law you you represent. Yeah. Are you still on point with that? Right. And I I found most, not all. I'm sure there's someone on the call who's going to give me a contrarian argument, and I get it. You guys are designed to make arguments, so I'm right. not. I'm designed to make connective strategies. That's a different different kingdom. But right. nonetheless, they're not. They're on what pays the bills, what gets the firm going, what keeps the employees going, and you're constantly in this, I've got to buy, I've got to go out and solicit, get new business, be converting that business over, and now all of a sudden, the law isn't actually what you do. You're focused on the business side. But let's yeah. be candid. Most, not all, a lot of law firms, especially the, you know, the smaller to medium-sized ones, they had to learn their business skills along the way. Right. It's right. not what you taught as a lawyer. No different than, hey, as a psychologist, they taught me how to be a connective strategy, communications, you know, break down the entire system. But they didn't exactly. teach you how to run a business. Right. You had to right. learn that Exactly. Yeah. And I say the same thing. You know, I have an MBA. I, I know how to run a business, but I'm not about to do my own legal work. Um, so for the same reason that I'm going to hire a lawyer who knows what they're talking about when I have legal issues... Lawyers need to f hire a strategist or a business person or some kind of a coach or whatever the case might be whose expertise that is to do that piece of it. Well, I think the key, you're absolutely correct. And I love that, you know, how you approach from your marketing agency makes total sense to me. Because yeah. let's be candid, this allows the lawyers and the law firm to do what they do. Your job is to help them grow the business. The right. challenge that we run into, and this is part and part, and I watch this with my son. 
And I watch, and again, brilliant human being, master's degree, you know, public administration from USC, Georgetown law degree. He's a, you know, he's a poster child for what, you know, your American dream could look like. And even I go, yeah. well, I, that's my kid? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to be in therapy for the rest of his life growing up with me as a father. So I was like, oh, great, right? But I looked at that and what was the fundamental challenge? The fundamental challenge was even then he could put the, he could put the business together. He could put the articles together. He could put the structure together. And I said, great. So what's your sales modality? What's your pitch? Why should they go with your law firm and other? Dead silence. No idea. Right. No clue. And so when we really look at it, when we say claim your throne, what is it that you can hang your hat on? And we create a marketing strategy with, you know, obviously someone like Karen, who obviously does this, or the quest that comes around says, here's all the things you're going to run into. I know you're a lawyer and you're a badass operator, but you might still have a fear of public speaking. Or right. you might have a fear of success that you don't know about. And it's embedded in there because of a wonderful thing called our education, right? Yeah. Now we call right. the four pillars, mother, father, religion, and culture. But our educational system at large especially when we're doing our formative years, one through 17, is really about conformity. It's about shaving off those edges that you would call the misfit in yourself as so you could fit in or what's called subconscious modeling. We model to fit in. Here's the problem. That's not where your mastership lives. So we right. may have shut down those parts, but if we're so busy going, well, I'm a brilliant lawyer. I know how to, I'm a litigator. I know how to get in there. I've talked to juries. Great. Have you done a speech in front of a thousand people yet to advertise your firm? No. So tell me uh, this throne is this like your unique positioning or is this the heart of why you got into law school or is it some combination of both? What, it's what, actually a combination more, of both. What is this You're, throne? It's a, yeah. Okay. So it's a metaphor because here's the deal. Uh, let me, let me go, let me go. Let me sound like I'm really cool to all of you beautiful counselors out there for 30 <laughs> seconds, right? I'm a big dork. I admit it. I got it. So let's just own that. But let me just sound like I'm cool. Yeah. The thing that we do is thing called reverse hypnotic thematic learning through, th through synthesiastic movement. <laughs> Okay. Try that on let's, Latin people. Let's try that again a little slower because I, I think I got reverse. reverse <laughs> yeah, reverse hypnotic thematic learning through synthesiastic movement. It's a really fancy way of saying, hey, look, nothing you're going to change in you, your ideology, your thought processing is going to come from here first. What you would know in the simplest of languages, mind, body, spirit. That okay. sequential order that we all subscribe to as a concept is actually the fundamental reason why we can't grow. Because when we start with mind, mind can't solve itself. Even Einstein said that which created the problem can't solve it. So when we start with this, we get frustrated because we think we got to do more mindset stuff, mindset stuff. And as lawyers, you're already badass operators because you're all about finding the angle, finding the argument, and making a quality argument and using the law to validate that argument. That's your job. And you're phenomenal at it. But then you have people like Karin. Her job is to say, well, what is it you specialize in? What's your real passion? Because yeah. you got into law for a reason. I don't care if it's for the money or the altruism, your choice, but right. you got into it for a reason. And somewhere along the way, and it's not just with lawyers, but in particular, this conversation, we lose sight of what we're really interested in. Because you're going to get to a point, if you haven't already, family, where you're going to go, well, what's my passion? What's my purpose? I've lost my vision. I don't, I don't know what my mission is anymore. And I damn sure don't know what my legacy is. And we all want to leave that deep down inside. So the heart of us, allows us to move in that space. But when I say that, that sounds all woo-woo-y and like, oh, let's hit some side of a mountain, shave our head and have road. Oh, great. No, yeah. Doesn't work. <laughs> Especially cross-legged. Yeah, not going to happen. Do some right? yoga. Let's do some yeah. ayahuasca because yeah, that'd be great. Right. I'm like, mm, great. Uh, you can. And I've done those too. I've done all the drugs too. So I hold myself in contempt of court. But okay. But it's still, at the end of the day, that doesn't create effective change. It creates perceptional shifting. Great. But that's not change. 
And we need to transform ourselves if we're going to become that which we want to become. No different than when you first went to law school, you had to transform yourself into being a lawyer and a barred now attorney versus a law student. Right. Simple example. Here's the problem. The problem is when you look at this from a perspective of what I was saying a moment ago, we are generally operating on repetitive pattern or automated, automated process run through our subconscious thinking that we're actually in control and we're not. <laughs> yeah. And we can prove it. How? Watch, watch your daily routine. Any one of you listening to Car and Show right now, just take a gut check on, on yourself and watch your patternistic of your daily routines. Now, some of it has merit. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of it actually becomes the actual inability for you to grow into a bigger law firm, into a bigger empire, into ability to really do what you wanted to do. Is one, you wanted to be in the law, but cut the crap, family. You wanted to be free. You wanted to make enough money that you could go do whatever you wanted to do. And that's the dream of every person who's ever got into business, whether for somebody else or for themselves. We always want that. Where's that dream living right now? That's where the throne starts. Oh, okay. If we, if we don't know what that actually is, you are truly a serial job holder. Okay. So the throne starts kind of where that dream was and kind of at the heart of what was driving you to start this law firm, start this business. I even go beyond that. Go beyond the law firm. You even as just a go person. To law school. Yeah. You didn't just go to law school. Well, some people did. Yeah. I get it. All right. But yeah. generalities, right? You were in love with the idea, the idea of it, the ideology of it, with the process, et cetera. Okay. The heart of your castle is an easier way when we do what's called a synthesiastic movement. A synthesiastic movement's a really cool, fun way that gets me great dinner reservations when people go, I want to hang out with that guy. He has big syllable words. <laughs> Beyond that, it's a really simple way of saying, when we put you into the fantasy realm, gameplay, archetypal symbology, where you're playing a game in the fantasy realm, two things occur. You can assimilate information faster and turn it into whatever you want it to be. Even though it feels like a fantasy, it ends up showing up in your reality. And you move from, I need to go to this daily motivation, this daily inspiration, to that spark that started your initial journey into law school and ultimately becoming an attorney so that it's a lifelong spark because there's a big difference between motivation and literally being on fire. Okay, let's unpack that for a second, though. Like the idea of gameplay, because I see this on your website, yeah, and course. this idea of um, this empire kingdom, all of all of the wordplay with with all of these archetypes that you're talking about. Yeah, sure. um, and so, how do we break that down into this idea of of gameplay in terms of of building what you're calling an empire? And I I know that's intentional, that word versus kingdom. Absolutely. So, how do you bring that gameplay idea that gamifies this this building because I know myself uh, I've read a lot about habit forming and getting all of those atomic habits and all all of those great books about how you really truly get growth at those atomic levels and gamifying these these habits is a significant part of I hate the word mindset because it's so overdone, but just getting that into your brain and then translating the brain into your process and your daily existence. So how does that translate into what we're talking about in terms of empire building? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Uh, great observation, by the way. And <laughs> seriously, I've been on podcasts for like, what, what, what? I'm like, never mind. Let's just, just go to the quick. So when you're talking about like for a synthesiastic movement, we've got 50 years of science and scientific and data backing up. I'm going to interrupt you one second. Synthesiastic movement. Yeah. Give me the definition. Yeah. It is literally putting someone into the fantasy realm or the subconscious realm where they okay. can rework things and bring it back into their reality or into the conscious level. 
Right. Okay, so so kind of gamifying, right? No, not kind of, totally. Okay, so yeah. we're talking about empires, kingdoms, fiefdoms, all of the words that, like, you know, <laughs> fiefdom, whatever it is. I'm picturing, like, you know, those Sim City games that we had way back, where you had right. you were like building your little, uh, your little kingdom. Really, I think it was called back then, and then it was it was you know getting into larger and larger areas. So, synthesiastic, what is it? Synthesiastic movement. Synthesiastic movement. Just, okay. just call it fantasy gameplay. Make it easy. Don't, don't. Gamifying your growth, basically. Yeah. Well, let's let's be candid. Let's use let's quote the great Alan Watts and let's start this this answer to that frame. Great Alan Watts said, "Hey, you know, life doesn't define death. Death defines life. Okay. Right? So death is imminent. Life is a choice. Yes. So if we're going to use mindset, although I don't, I load that word personally myself, but for yeah. the simplicity of this conversation, if your mindset says that hey, death is eminent, life is a choice, it's going to start framing how you approach things. But most of us don't frame it that way. We do everything we can to avoid the ideology or the thought process that death is eminent. We don't want to yeah. talk about that because it's a right. scary thing in a lot of places. It might not right? happen to me. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. cryo. I'm looking for cryo, baby. Come on, you know, come on, Bezos. Figure out how to figure this out, man. You're the, you're the right. guy. Exactly. Or, or, or Elon Musk. Why don't you guys figure that out so we can get this done, right? Because, But the bottom line is, if we don't go... And like you said, all those books are great. And they are. They're phenomenal books. Don't get me wrong. Here's the problem. You're still filtering through the exact same guarded structure. So if you imagine your mind and your body, your life as a castle, you're the king and queen of it inside. And out front, you know, you've got your turrets and you've got your drawbridge and there's a moat and however you design it, that's fine. But out front, there's this little guard. Unicorns. Yeah, the little unicorns. <laughs> and you got goats running around and whatever works for you. Know? Maybe some trolls under the bridge, you know, right. and you got to pay the toll and some gold coins and tokens. Yeah. But here's the deal. When you look at that, there's this little guard. And it's a beautiful metaphor for you to couch this understanding is that on the drawbridge, there's a little guard with a spear that says who goes there. That determines who gets into the castle to see the king and queen. Now, that guard, in analogous, will represent your conscious mind. It uh. believes it controls what goes into the subcon. Here's the challenge. It only guards that one little drawbridge. There's three other walls that you can go underneath the castle. You can go over the walls. You can parachute in that it can't focus on. It, scientifically, it can't do it. It holds one thought per second. That's it. So when we're reading books, as an example, it's only looking from its point of view and it's already filtering based on your subconscious and deeper level called the emotional traumatic level of how you frame the world. That right. doesn't, has nothing to do with your cognitive education, my friends. It has to do with how you as a person work. So by moving you into the fantasy realm through archetypal symbology called the warrior, the wizard, the bard, and the jester, we can start identifying how we operate. Example, if you're a wizard, there's a high degree of probability you tend to lean on your cognitive. No lawyer I've ever heard of ever does that, but just assume <laughs> that that's a truth. Yeah. You lean on it, but you're also, you're hyper analytical. You're the geniuses of the world. You'll find the angle, but there's always a balance in the universe. And the balance of the wizard is that the wizard always finds the flaw. So if I find the flaw, which is what I'm looking for, then I got to solve that. And then I'll find the next flaw. And then it's yeah. like, and you would know that as staying at night, looking at the ceiling fan at three in the morning with the head spinning at hundred miles an hour. Right. So we can read all the books that we want. And those are phenomenal books. Please don't misinterpret my comment. Sure. But if I don't get past that guard at your gate and I don't get down into the subconscious and the emotional traumatic level where the truth lives for you and I do it in a fun way, two things are going to occur. One, you'll never change. Two, yeah. you won't do it. Okay, so in that example of the wizard, yeah. the the flaw and that that guard that's at the gate is the one that's looking for the flaw all the time, and that's they're they're it, totally they're a 
Correct. If they're right. But in that case, the wizard, they're constantly just looking for the flaw and they're totally preoccupied with that. And that's that's all they're doing is constantly looking for that. Correct. Flaw. And that becomes the loop, right? Okay. Where we get stuck in our head for simplicity languages. We get stuck in our head, we're looping over and over and the what if and the what if and the future casting and what if I my prom should have been different, but that was 30 years ago. And if I married a different person and if I had said this in court, it would have been that, and you're like, then you become okay. a nut job, right? And that's because the genius in you is also the insanity line. Right, because the wizards are true brilliant. They're brilliant human beings, yeah. and they know. And all of us are wizards. I want to qualify that. Everyone listening right now, you're going, "Well, that's not me." Yes, it is. You're all wizards. It's just whether you lean on that wizard. And the ideology of finding your throne is you learn to balance because a king and queen truly have the ability to call on their warriors at any given time as ambassadors or defenders. They call on their wizards, which is their counselors. They call on their bards, which are their salespeople. There are people that reach out and send the message of the realm because they're more in the theatrical. They're, they understand the energy of things. Or they go to their jesters, which is their advisory board. It keeps them on directory that have an arm's length capability to sit back and go, you know, this might not be the best way to do that. And kings and queens who have started to balance their, their, uh, their kingdom can now move into an empire because they have that all balanced. So this makes it a two things for in a law firm to bring this down into a granular level. Yeah. One, you can create profiles Literally with the two questions and go, got it. They're a warrior. They're a wizard of bar just, I know exactly how to talk to them. And you create deeper connective strategy. Now, as a lawyer, that's all, that could be a very powerful thing for you for settling out of court, working with right. juries, working with judges. Exactly. So what are the two questions? Uh, well, you got to go through the quest to find that. Don't go too far. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. All right. But we do that when we do live events. Like when we work with companies, it's really simple. So for example, I'll, we'll, we'll use car and use an example. So I'll do the yeah. first one. So um, could you tell me, uh, why'd you buy your last car? Uh, because my, my previous lease was coming up and I wanted something. So my previous car was bigger and this one was smaller. And I wanted something smaller and more gas efficient. Wizard to the bone. Yeah. Boys and girls, if you don't, but if you don't want to, you want to know what a wizard sounds like, that was it right there. And not from a negative contrarian point of view, bad. It's, oh, I realized I looked at the car. I analyzed all the statistics. Did it make efficient sense to me? Do I really need this big of a car? My lease is coming up. Is my ego involved? That's a wizard being employed in a positive frame. But yeah. it tells me immediately how you tend to process information. So now I'm going to talk to you from wizard language. Wizard has a very distinct how they approach business, how they approach relationships, how they approach themselves. Yep. And that's a cool thing. And some, for example, in like in marketing, what you do for all the lawyers, I want a wizard. I want you to find what the strategy is. Where's the flaw in my strategy and help me plug the hole in the boat before the dang thing sinks. Well, but here's that, the thing though, that I, as I was like, that was definitely the leading way that I went into that car purchase for sure. But then there's a, a secondary way that I'm thinking, um, you were talking about how we all have all different parts of our personality in all four. There's, there's the wizard, the bard, the warrior, and the jester. jester. And we all have different pieces of it. It's kind of like we were talking earlier about the Myers-Briggs. And so you have like different pieces of those different parts, right? Because then the second piece was that I really like the way it drives. I like the way it looks. Like there was the, like an emotional connection with this car as well. But the, the leading thing was that wizard side. And then right. so the second, the emotional connection is, is which part? The bard or what is that? Bard is actually the emotional. The bard, okay. which bard, you know, in the simplest of languages is really, you know, 
our thesmians, our actors, right? These are the people that understand what is the energy I'm feeling from the audience or from the person I'm talking, even the opposing, you know, opposing counsel. What is the energy I'm feeling? And they can move that energy in themselves to match that energy to convey messages very, very well. They're great yeah. ambassadors. They're great salespeople. They're great people that can translate a message of your firm and your kingdom. And the problem is, when we're starting to hire people, we hire people more often to resume versus who they actually are. And when you start finding out who they really are, the resume is great, but you also not effectively use them. I mean, it's, it's a known statistic that the average company, firm, all of the above, the hiring and firing process costs $30,000 to the business every time we hire and fire someone. So if you do that three times in a year, you just lost a hundred grand. Yeah. Out the door because we didn't ask the questions to the person, but again, in a fun way. Here's the theme. Now we're back to thematics or themes. We all operate on themes. We all do. The challenge is all of us, and I mean every single one of you listening to Car and Show, every single one of you, regardless of your, your degrees and your success, we all mastered one thing when we were younger, and that was fun. We mastered it. We spent almost 17 years being told, be a kid. Now you only live once. You got to go out and play your imagination. We had no problem make believing that we were the $6 million man or that we were you know, on the shores of California's Baywatch. We could jump right into the fantasy realm and then mysteriously right around when we became seniors in high school, this rhetoric shifted in the narrative to, you know what? Travis, you need to be an adult now. You need to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. Time to get responsible, time to grow up. Here's the problem. We have no freaking idea how to do it. We have no <laughs> blueprint. So we go off to university and turn stupid in the freshman 20. And I know I was one of them, so I'm going to hold myself accountable, right? You go, wow, this is great. I got all my freedom, but I have no idea how to manage myself. I have no idea what I'm really doing. I don't even know what I really want. I'm just, I chose the major because it went along with golf. Real estate and golf made sense to me. They both had dirt, made sense. Doesn't mean that's what I really was interested in. And along the way, we all get introduced, and all of you went through this in some form or another, to this beautiful school called the School of Hard Knocks. And we have to learn on the fly. Here's the problem. We have a limited amount of time here on planet Earth. Period. Again, Alan Watts gave us kind of the blueprint to that. And so if we, by the time we're starting to figure out, is this what I really want? I'm not what I'm really sure. I mean, I've got the degree now, but who cares? I mean, yeah. how many of you out there right now know people that are massive, massively educated, but life stupid? And right, that's because right. we're educated in a different thematic. We're thematically learned to have fun. So if I come into the firm and say, hey guys, we're gonna help you transform your company culture to make this a great time, blah, blah, blah. The natural response is go, well, we're serious, we're professional. I'm like, yeah. what the hell does that have to do with fun? So in terms of when you are looking to build this empire and you've got these four roles that you need to balance out in your team and in you know bigger picture, this empire, I've heard um, the equivalent that I've been familiar with in, in the past is kind of the Gallup Strength Finder, or I think it's called something else, Strengths Finder. Now they've got a different name on it, but it's it's a similar idea to like finding those strengths, really honing in on them, and then hiring for those and hiring for the the pieces of your uh, to in order to balance out the strengths that you're missing. So uh, not wasting building your roundtable for de facto. Right, exactly. So is that basically, no. uh, that's, that's not what your recommendation is in, in terms of an empire? This goes way past that. And here's the, so here's the ETR to go back to that. Here's the social proof for that. So my partner, uh, his name is Aaron Huey, ran the number one residential treatment center for at-risk youth for the last two decades. 
This ideology, this entire IP built on archetypal symbology was how do we talk to kids that have been so traumatized from sex trafficking to bulimia to anorexia to sexual, psychological, name it, the most horrific thing you could imagine happening to a child. That's where these kids end up. This is their last chance. There's only two options. It's either death or it's full incarceration. They had to be brought back. And when we've used traditional methodologies, and I mean across the board, we found that the kids were, it's like hitting a BB off a freight train. It bounced right off of them. It didn't make sense. Yeah. And when we realized what they were trying to say to us, we had to put them in the fantasy realm. And this is where Aaron really had this massive breakthrough. We saw how this really worked and we kept testing and testing and testing was, well, what if we put them in a fantasy play? Hey, you're a warrior, you're a wizard, you're a bard, and you're a jester. And when we explained what that meant, it was one, disarming. It allowed us to get past that guard into the subconscious where we could actually help them transform themselves and release and heal from the emotional trauma. And yes, every single one of you listening to this has emotional trauma. Hate to break (laughs) it to you. Has nothing to do with law school. It's called being a human. It goes with the territory, right? Yeah. And whatever that is for you, and it could be as simple as I didn't get a hug from mom and dad to you've been in the most horrific situations like our CEO, an amazing woman, brilliant woman, but she's also a sex traffic survivor, bona fide. She was abducted from a modeling experience and thrown into sex trafficking for a year and had to run for her own life. Yeah. How do you recover from that? Well, you recover from it because you have to go to the fantasy realm. And when you go to the fantasy realm, especially when we go through the quest, we can address things like, why do you have a fear of success counselor? You're the one that said you're a great lawyer, but why are you afraid to actually grow your firm so that it's doing a million dollars a month, $2 million a month, $5 million a month, $10 million a month? Who knows? We, we, we can find out though. We have a process to take you in it. But if I come to you and I say, hey, Karen, I want to talk to your top 100 firms that all work for you. We're going to show them how they're scared of success. Guess what I'm going to get? Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then to build the empire, uh, you're looking at each person and how they kind of bring, they gamify the, their roles within the, the firm. Is that the right assessment or life, right? Let's, let's, let's start with the macro before we go on to micro macro life is an adventure. And we all started that way until we handed it in again, by hemispheric using myself as the example, we handed in for our logic. And I'm not saying your logic doesn't matter. Councils, please don't misinterpret, but that's not why you're in business. And that's damn sure not why you're here on planet earth. You are here to experience life in balance through the thing we call a BPR. And if you don't balance your BPR, you're probably gonna need CPR because your world's gonna adjust itself pretty quickly in some form or another, whether it's your business, your relationship, your finances, or your own body, right? I mean, how often, and councils ask yourself this question, does your body pay the price for your firm? Do you neglect yourself because you put yourself in a value system that says my business and my family and my, all my employees all come first before myself? Well, here's the fundamental problem. If we take you out of the equation, do all these things suffer? They do. Yeah. So you start to realize there's a difference between a business and an empire. So when we take it into gamification, it all feels like a game. In fact, to many of you who wizards out there, and maybe even you, Karen, you're going to go, oh, I don't get it. I've done all this personality typing stuff. I'm like, this isn't personality typing. This is personality transformation. You are not a single entity. It's an impossible. Bi- it's an impossibility for you to be just Karen. In fact, let's prove the, prove the point. You didn't even name yourself. I didn't name myself. We just subscribed to it. Further validating, we're already hypnotized. We're like, oh, you're Travis. Okay, I'll be called Travis. Sounds <laughs> good, right? That's a great name. I'll go with it. Sounds, you know, it's, it's better than, you know, stick. Great, right? <laughs> so we, when we start looking at, you know, understand difference between decisions and choices and automation versus being present, and I'm not talking woo-woo, I'm talking about really understanding where we are and what we're creating, we have to go to the fantasy realm because if we come at it straight on through that garden, the gate, you'll reject it every single freaking time. In 31 years, over a million people I've stood in front of, I've traveled the world three times. It happens consistently because that's how we're built as humans. 
Now this can serve your business because you can start to see opposing counsel. You can see the juries. You can see your own clients. You can determine whether they're good for you. You can hire and fire your relationships, how you view your body. You can start transforming it because you've stepped back from a second and it's hard sometimes I get it. You guys are fighting powerful fights out there. I watch our firms do amazing things every day and you are needed out there in the world, but let's backstep. If, uh, if the law said, guess what? We're going to abandon all the law. We're just going to go back to tribal mentality. Now what? <laughs> so are you rich or are you wealthy? Wealthy is you when you understand a balance, a set of skills within yourself. I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about how to transform yourself, how to truly consciously with cognitive awareness, transform yourself from the inside out. Mindset doesn't change you. Mindset just gives you something to mentally masturbate with and you get to play with it but it doesn't change you. Change comes from here. It comes from the emotional traumatic level. It hits the subconscious. It moves into a habitable-based state, and now it becomes automated. And when it's automated, you naturally, the guard out front will shift. And if I may quote the great Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you see things, what you see will change. It automatically happens all by itself. And we don't do that in business. We just kind of keep blowing down the road and hoping to God we get the the great case that makes us gazillionaires. And maybe that happens, but more often than it doesn't. Okay, awesome. Um, all right. So as you know, our audience is full of tireless lawyers who don't have time to read some book that's not worth it. So Travis, what is the book recommendation that you are going to suggest for the audience today? Well, my, my favorite book of all time, of all time, and it's a, it's a heavy read family and it's going to challenge every aspect of life. And I think that's a powerful thing because sometimes we don't know why we believe what we believe. We just yeah. believe it. Like my yeah. name is Travis. Okay. I guess it's going to be Travis, right? Cause my mom and dad told me so. The book is called, I am that, and you can go buy it on any, any online store. I don't want to give a shameless plug. That's not a commercial we'll supporter. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll link to it. But it's a, it's a really powerful book that was written in the 1800s um, by Maharaji, who was actually being interviewed. He had a sixth grade education, but was this, quote unquote, enlightened being. But he approached it in a way where he gave you the blueprint for you to transform how you look at the world and start to see things on a bigger scale. Because often, and we do this, especially us wizards out there, and I'm pretty sure most of you listening have a wizard capability within all of you, we get very you know myopic. We get very focused on this is our world. This is all there is. It's not. There's so much more going on. And guess what happens? And we all know this, but we are guilty of it, myself included. Time flies quickly. Right. We get so busy, we miss it. And then we got to go back to that deeper one. But time flies when you're having fun. But if you're not having fun, then time just flies. And yeah. you've got nothing to show for it. You've got no experiences for it. it. At the end of the day, you missed it. Exactly. Yeah. And the stories are what we tell. It's not necessarily the cases that you won and, you know, this tort did this and this response did that. And those are great. Those are fun when you're talking to other attorneys. But you're talking to the rest of us who are dumb idiots. We're like... Are you talking about know. tort yeah. like as in like a tortellini? What do you, what do you mean by tort? I don't know what that was. What you, shoo, right? So you awesome. are a human first, family. You have a family. You want to leave a legacy. So we got to look at what your throne is. What is your passion, your purpose, your mission, your vision? Because you're going to leave a legacy. If not, you're going to be lost in the annals of time. Is yeah. that what you really want? That's the difference between an empire and a business. That's the difference between an empire and a kingdom. So the question becomes, what is it you really want? But we do it in a fun way so it doesn't feel like this drudging through the mud. I've got to rip my entire psyche apart, go sit on the side of a mountain, do ayahuasca till I see every prism known to human being and have my come to, you know, God moment, as opposed to how about we do it what you're already naturally built to do, but we do it in a way that doesn't really invade your world in a way that feels invasive. So you don't feel like you're ripping your world apart and that's called gameplay. And there's a three level escalation map. So it's, you know, it's claim your throne, 
building your castle, and then building the empire. And it walks you through and it's all fun. And it is based on real business principles that we've done ourselves with over 110 years collective experience, but done in gameplay. Here's why. You mastered gameplay as a kid. You know how to have fun. All of you are innately wealthy. You've just forgotten how to have fun because you've been so busy on the school of hard knocks that we get hypnotized into this other realm. And next thing you know, you wake up and you're 60. (laughs) What, What just happened? Holy yeah, hell. exactly. Right? So that, that kind of puts it in a more of a, um, I think, well, I think puts it in a simpler frame. Yeah. Well, and it kind of brings it back to the heart of why yeah. people started with law school and right. kind of, you know, wh- where, where it all started and um, removes that element of getting too burned out with it at the same time. Oh, burnout's the number one thing in, in law firms. You know this better than anybody. Yeah, right? absolutely. I watch, my, I watch my son. Brilliant. Wanted to do constitutional law. Why? He's ex-special forces. He believes in, in what we do in the United States. He believes in the Constitution, wants to defend it. And all of a sudden, he became, became a barred attorney in D.C. And he's like, oh, wow, this sucks. And I was yeah. like, Right. Well, you could have said that before we went to Georgetown. That would have been a lot yeah. more fun. But, you know, okay, everybody goes exactly. But that's that kind of thing. And so not just burnout, but keep the flame burning yeah. for the passion and the purpose. Because when you're truly on fire, because you know your passion, your purpose, your mission, and your vision, and you know you're leaving a legacy, you don't need motivation. You don't need to listen to stuff 24 hours a day. You don't have to keep reigniting yourself. And that's your first clue. If you're doing that, that you're already on the road to burnout. You're already in a subconscious search to find that deep fire that was in you naturally. You're looking to keep it kindled alive so that you don't wander off because there's already a part of you that's going, man, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And that gives you a clue. You're on the road. You better get on the quest fast. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's got such great insight. We will link to your book recommendation, your website, all of your resources that you mentioned, uh, all your social media accounts as well. Um, And it's been such a great insight, I think, just to imagine the idea of getting past that that little guy on the drawbridge that is kind of leading you in in the wrong directions and making sure that you're thinking in terms of this gameplay for building an empire and not a, a castle where it's entirely dependent on you and is, and it's really limited in the amount of growth that you've got. If you, if you've only got the castle, thank you so much, Dr. Travis Fox. Thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Thanks everyone. Appreciate you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.